You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Her Money is proudly sponsored by Edelman Financial Engines. Edelman knows just how important it is to be prepared for whatever life hands you. Do you have a strategy to help protect your wealth and your family? Visit planefe.com slash hermoney to learn more about what you need for your financial situation with a complimentary wealth checkup. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. In the investing space, we're seeing that companies that make a positive environmental and social impact are really important to investors. There was a recent Gallup poll that said that 63% of investors are looking to invest in companies that align with their beliefs. And per that study, the, the numbers were even higher when you looked at women exclusively. Hey everyone, I'm Jean Chatsky. Thanks so much for joining me today on Her Money. So if you blink, it's possible that you will just miss the latest trends taking over your social media feeds these days as we say goodbye to 2023 and head into 2024. I can't believe I'm even saying that. I thought it would be fun to do a quick recap of some of the trends we stood behind and some of the ones that made us cringe just a little bit this year. So here's to one that we loved seeing, work-life balance taking center stage with more emphasis put on working the hours you're paid to work and doing the job you're paid to do, not too much more and not too much less. The hustle culture mentality that made so many of us feel like we needed to work 10 or 12 hour days seems to be fading a bit, at least for now. And with it comes a wave of employees being a little more thoughtful about the time and the energy they spend working so they don't end up burning out. It's so important, especially for women, since we know we've got more of the burden of things at home, child care, caring for our older parents, and yes, sadly, housework. And then there is a trend that made me want to pull my hair out, girl math, which we talked about on an earlier show with math whiz Danica McKellar. Business Insider recently wrote an article that called out girl math for holding women back from growing wealth. And I got to say, I think they have a point. When we dumb down these topics, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. As the Insider article said, stereotyping women as having poor math skills has a direct correlation with an unwillingness to engage with finances. A 2021 study in the Journal of Economic Behavior and Organization suggests that the stereotype that women are less financially literate increases their anxiety around money. So let's just put that stereotype to rest. Finally, In the fashion world, sustainable fashion and shopping at thrift stores, they just got huge. They went bananas this year. We are starting to see evidence that Gen Z shoppers are over 
fast fashion and way over sketchy labor practices. Instead, they want curated thrift store finds mixed with new high-quality pieces from brands with a mission. And if those high-quality pieces come from our favorite consignment stores, all the better. On that note, we are excited to welcome back to the show Jillian Quint. She is editor-in-chief and founding member of Pure Wow. It's been a while, a hot minute since she was on the show, but we couldn't think of anyone better to dish on all the hottest trends that we're expecting for 2024. Jillian, welcome. Thank you so much. It's so wonderful to be back here. So let's just jump right in. I got to ask you, before we leave 2023 behind, was there a trend that really surprised you in 2023? I mean, what is something that the editors at PureWow have not been able to stop talking about? Well, I've been in women's lifestyle for about 15 years now, so I'm not sure there's anything that can exactly surprise me. Everything comes back around. But there were a couple trends this year that did catch me a little bit off guard things I was both excited about and ones that made me sort of want to tear my hair out. So one trend that surprised me in a good way was in the home decor space, a return to maximalism. After years of minimalism, minimalism, Marie Kondo, Scandinavian blonde wood, sort of a single white room with nothing but a fiddle leaf fig, we have finally seen a return to really luxe, colorful, multi-textured interiors. At PureWow, we called this trend hipstoric heritage, but really it's just a return to dark woods, to bronze patinas, to warm leather, to worn, lived-in oriental rugs. This does go well with your thrifting comment from earlier, and just honestly, I found it so refreshing. Now, on the flip side, one trend that I'm so done with is what you nodded to, which is this idea of the girl everything. So yes, this was the year of girl math, but it was also the year of girl dinner, which if you're not familiar is when apparently you like cut up a bunch of nuts and berries and put it on a plate and call it dinner or tomato girl summer, which was when women were wearing gingham dresses and carrying market bags filled with escarole, which is lovely, but did it have to be called tomato girl summer? It just felt very infantilizing. This fall, we're actually going into something that people have deemed gingerbread girl fall. So I'm done with all the girl things for the new year. Amen to women, right? Yes. Let's let's raise up the woman in 2024. And yeah, I got to acknowledge, I mean, girl dinner is not something that I could ever get behind. Although I am guilty of every once in a while calling a packet of Pop-Tarts dinner or a bowl of cereal dinner, but I prefer to just think of that as breakfast for dinner. And to me, it's it's a luxury. Pop-Tarts are the uh, unsung heroes of many a meal. All right, let's dig into the trends that are coming our way for 2024. We're a money show, but we spend money on all of these trends. You know, if you buy into these trends, these become pocketbook items. They become wallet items, and that's why we're giving them some airspace here. And let's start, Jillian, with fitness trends. I know ever since the pandemic, high intensity, not to mention boutique cardio classes, faded a little bit. And the thoughtful, slower, at-home movement came on really strong. But an F 
45 just opened around the corner from where I live. I seem to see a lot of these boutiques popping back up. Where do you see fitness falling in 2024? Yeah, I I definitely think you're right that there's this move away from the high-pressure, high-intensity workout. One of the biggest trends we're seeing started where else on TikTok. It's called Cozy Cardio. And like you mentioned, it's the idea that working out doesn't have to be so high intensity. It doesn't have to be Orange Theory or CrossFit. It can be as simple as lighting some candles and doing your favorite yoga video in your living room or walking on your walking pad and watching a movie, that kind of thing. So obviously this isn't as rigorous and doesn't have the same calorie burning or cardiovascular benefits of a more intense workout. But the general idea is that something is better than nothing, right? And this kind of casual approach is more inclusive to people who might have felt left out of exercise in the past or might have felt they didn't have time to do it. And I I do think this mindset is going to be really pervasive. There's been a handful of recent studies that have shown that even very modest exercise, think running a single mile a few times a week or walking even just 4,000 steps per day, have major health benefits in terms of improving longevity and reducing your risk of heart disease. And a lot of these benefits you really see on the front end, like Doing a little bit of exercise versus nothing vastly improves your your longevity. Going from running two miles a week to running 15 miles a week, you don't see that kind of jump. So it's really the doing something mindset. And I think this sort of speaks to a greater trend in the new year, which is giving yourself leeway. There's something in between constantly, and I'm putting quote marks here, crushing it and just being a total sloth. I went out for a run this morning with a friend of mine here in Philadelphia, and I'm a plotter. I can run a 10-minute mile. I can go a really, really long time. I can't go super fast, but I can just sort of keep going. And he found that when he started to put multiple miles together, he got injured. And so he's on this kick where he's walking a minute and then running too, and then walking a minute and running too. I guess it's a thing. They call it interval running. But I did his little program with him this morning, and I got to say, I kind of liked it, right? I mean, it, it was nice to take those little breaks and slow it down a little bit, and I didn't feel as if I was under-exercised when I finished. I felt like I had had a nice conversation. I got my miles in. And it was a new way to approach it. And I like that he was easier on himself and figured out a way to make running work for him when just going, going, going simply did not. We pulled a recent survey from My Protein that found that the average American spends $155 a month on fitness. Are you noticing people spending more on gyms or more on at-home setups? Where is the Peloton mindset these days? I almost think there are two camps of people. Like there's people who came out of the pandemic thinking fitness is so important to me and having the flexibility to do it wherever, whenever, on my own time is really important. Like after learning that we can do so much from home. I think for a lot of people, 
There's this inability to see going back to commuting 20 minutes to a gym in each direction. So we are seeing a lot of sales of at-home fitness equipment soaring. I was just talking to our fitness editor about this, and she said there's all these crazy new devices. Peloton just released a new rowing machine that has the same videos that you know from the bikes. There's a company called Frame that just released a new reformer machine for Pilates, which again is digitally connected so you can work with instructors and feel like you're in a Pilates studio but from home. So I think there's definitely people who are investing money in at-home setups. On the other hand, I think there are people, and I definitely fall into this camp, who have drastically cut back their spending on fitness. My fitness routine is strictly running and the $30 yoga mat that I own, and I alternate between floor workouts and running. And I think that, again, after the pandemic, a lot of people realized that they could bring the gym into their own home at a lower price point. And on their own schedule. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing about running that has always worked for me. I can do it wherever I am. I don't have to wait for a class. I don't have to wait for another person, although I do like running with another person. But it always, as long as you have the drive to make it fit into your schedule, the same is true of walking or biking or any of these things, then you can make it happen. And making it happen, of course, I think is the most important thing. Let's talk about fashion. I mean, there are people, maybe older people like me, who've been a little horrified to see low-rise jeans come back into fashion and delighted to see uncomfortable skinny jeans make their way out. Is, is the 90s resurgence here to stay? And do you think people are really saving a decent amount by buying clothes at thrift stores? Well, first of all, I'm right there with you with low-rise jeans. May they never, ever come back again from our lips to God's ears. In terms of the 90s and, and in terms of people saving either on fewer things or on repurposed things, I, I do think that both of those are real trends. I don't know that we can officially celebrate the end of fast fashion or clothing hauls, but I do think that 2024 fashion will be all about fewer, better things. The 90s look that we're looking to at Pure Wow is less of a grungy or flannel shirt kind of 90s and more of a subtler 90s vibe, less Winona Ryder, more season one Rachel Green from Friends. We're calling it 90s minimalism, and it's sort of interesting to see it on the heels of quiet luxury, which you'll remember was the fashion trend of this past year, very spurred by succession and that kind of neutral, extremely expensive, high-quality minimalist look. 90s minimalism has some similarities in that it's all about high-end capsule collections, but the look is a little more casual. Think jersey maxi skirts or turtleneck sweaters, medium wash straight leg jeans, that kind of thing. And we've seen this look take hold the runway for a while now, but we're also just sort of seeing it pop back into the zeitgeist period. I'm not sure if you saw, there was a fabulous article recently in the Times by Vanessa Friedman about Carolyn Bissett Kennedy. I saw it. Yeah, wasn't it great? It was fantastic. She called Kennedy a ghost influencer, which I loved that term. And this kind of 90s understated style was at the core. There was a lot that was interesting about the article, but one thing I really 
glommed onto was the idea that Kennedy had only about 40 pieces in her closet. You think of her as so chic, but she was re-wearing the same things again and again, and she really used those things. There's this iconic photo of her in a subway station, which, first of all, is great. Like, I love the idea of Carolyn Kennedy taking the subway. But she's got her Birkin bag with her, and she's got her Birkin bag sitting on the floor of the subway station. And I think that not that I'm telling anybody to go out and buy a Birkin and not that I'm t- if you have a Birkin, maybe don't put it on the subway floor. But the idea that we're going to be having fewer things, higher quality things, and we're going to use them. We're going to wear them again and again, and we're going to we're not going to be so precious with our clothing is something that I do expect to take hold in the new year. So, yes, this absolutely goes in tune with vintage shopping and with a less is more approach. I read that article, too. I loved the pictures. I mean, for those of you who are a little younger and haven't seen the images of Carolyn Bissett Kennedy, and what a loss at such a young age, both her and and her husband and her sister, she's timeless. There are pictures of her in a camel pencil skirt that looks very much like a pencil skirt that I've owned for 10 years because it, it is one of those things that you wear again and again and again. The other thing, and I don't know if this is actually a trend, Jillian, if, if people are looking at me today, you see I'm wearing a denim blazer, which is one of the new items that I bought for this season. I'm wearing it like all the time all the time. And other denim pieces too, denim dresses, denim beyond blue jeans. Are you seeing a lot of that? Yeah. I mean, I think that, listen, denim is timeless. It's never going to go out of style, but I think it's absolutely very of the moment right now. Mixing denims is of the moment right now. And what you're doing, which is re-wearing the same piece again and again, we had years where I think because of social media, a lot of women felt ashamed to be seen in the same thing over and over, hence the rise in rentals or subscription services for fashion. And I really think and hope we're coming back to a place where when you get a fantastic denim blazer, you can wear it three times a week and feel confident about that. I will feel confident about it and now more confident about it since you told me that it's okay because that's exactly what I'm doing. You mentioned clothing hauls. Are they really on the way out? Please say yes. I want to say yes. I have to think so. They were so overdone in the past year or so. So I'm saying yes. Okay. All right. And for those people who don't know what they are? I mean, it's the idea that people are going into stores and just bringing back a ton of clothing and trying it on for their audience. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be over. Let's be over that. We are at the tail end now of months spent hosting family, cooking for the holidays, and buying lots of gifts. Inflation has hit our pocketbooks really, really hard, which is why I love that I'm seeing a trend of little luxuries. I think that that is a great way for people to treat themselves and treat the people that they love without blowing their budgets, taking a a beauty advent calendar and just splitting it up and giving all the little pieces away. Is that the sort of thing that you're seeing as well? Yeah. I mean, I think in the wake of the pandemic and just all this inflation, it makes sense that people want to treat themselves in small, not so giant splurgy ways, generally under $100 ways. And I think that 
maybe in the past there's been some stigma around this. I actually think that the last time I went on your show, we talked about how you can cut out these little splurges. This adds up over time, which of course is still true. But we're in a different economy now. We're in a different world. Not to take a depressing turn, but I read a study recently that a third of Gen Z adults don't think they'll ever be able to afford a home. So for people who have some disposable income but don't necessarily see a world where they can even save up for some of these, quote, big life things, I think it makes a lot of sense that indulging in small, very much in their budget luxury items feels special. The idea that you can get a really lovely candle and make your bathroom feel luxury even if you can't afford an apartment upgrade. The idea that you can get just delicious caviar to have on hand for when a friend comes over. Personally, I have decided I always need to have fancy olive oil that I'm proud to display on my countertop. So I think things like that have been trending and will continue to trend in the new year for sure. For my stepdaughter, it's amazing coffee that she brews at home. She bought an expensive coffee maker, and that's her little luxury. And she has it every single day, and it's really, it's important to her. It helps her start her day off on the right note. And I support that. I think figuring out what those luxuries are for you makes complete and total sense. Jillian, we're going to take a a quick break. So stay with us for just a couple of seconds before we go to break, though. I hope that you've had a chance to listen to our new podcast. It's called How She Does It. We recently had Sukinder Singh Cassidy on the show chatting about why taking risks in her career has paid off in a big way. For those of you who don't know her, she's the CEO of Zero. She's a serial entrepreneur, and she recently sold her third, yes, third startup, a business called Boardlist, which matches first-time board-ready executives with companies looking for diverse board talent. Check it out. We'll be back in a sec. Her Money is proudly sponsored by Edelman Financial Engines. Preparing for the unexpected tomorrow is what gives us the peace of mind to live a life of freedom today. Protecting your family is about so much more than just saving and investing. Having a conversation about your wealth is an important part of your protection puzzle. Explore your options with a complimentary wealth checkup. Visit planefe.com slash hermoney or call 833-304-PLAN. And we are back with Jillian Quint, Editor-in-Chief at Pure Wow. So we are, as I mentioned at the top of the show, and as our listeners know, we are a money show. What are you seeing in the workplace or regarding our personal finances as trends are going, Jillian? Well, we are definitely not an investing publication, so I will leave it to you to make the actual money suggestions. But one trend we have been noticing picking up steam is the idea of sustainable investing. At the top of the show, you mentioned sustainability in general as a trend you're seeing, and I I really couldn't agree more. In the investing space, we're seeing that companies that make a positive environmental and social impact are really important to investors. There was a recent Gallup poll that said 
that 63% of investors are looking to invest in companies that align with their beliefs. And per that study, the, the numbers were even higher when you looked at women exclusively. So we definitely are seeing companies like Coca-Cola that are outlining their sustainability efforts from the get-go for Coca-Cola, it's a commitment to 100% recyclable materials, regenerative water use across their facilities, that type of thing. And as a result, investors are taking note and, and putting their money in these places accordingly. But even outside of stock portfolios, we're seeing sustainability as a huge priority for our audience in terms of where they're spending their money whether it's shopping for beauty products at Credo, which is kind of the sustainable Sephora, thanks to its comprehensive recycling program and high standards for safe ingredients. Or maybe they're choosing hand soap from Blue Land, which offers refillable plastic-free cleaning products. Basically, our readers are looking to put their money where their mouth is. And we've had a lot of reader response to articles we've done about sustainable products and a lot of requests to do more of them. Yeah, we're seeing it too. One of our programs is called Investing Fix. It's an investing club for women. Karen Feinerman, who is my partner in crime in this effort, she's a CNBC panelist on Fast Money and a professional investor. She and I are teaching investing to 300-ish women on Zoom every other Monday night. And we got a lot of requests to bring ESG or sustainable investing into the portfolio. And so we did a couple of weeks of education on sustainable investing and teed up some sustainable investments. And the members voted to add an ESG that is in the sustainable investing space to our portfolio. For anybody who's listening, if this sounds like something that you're interested in, in Investing Fix is a program that you can join. And you can check it out on our website, hermoney.com, or you can go to investingfix.com for more information. And we spell fix, by the way, with two X's just to make it complicated. But we have an awful lot of fun. You mentioned sustainable beauty. We had a great conversation just Jillian earlier this year with Elise Hugh about her new book and about the really high costs that women are paying to maintain their looks, to live up to ideal standards of beauty. And we talked about her hopes that we can all start to feel more comfortable in our skins. One thing that I've noticed, it seems like the beauty industry is becoming more accepting of flaws, that people are wearing pimple patches. They might be shaped like stars, but they're pimple patches in public with no shame. Is this sort of thing going to continue to grow in 2024? Oh, I so want to tell you that the beauty industry is becoming more accepting of women's actual bodies. I think we've made some great strides in terms of body positivity and inclusivity. But on the other hand, you of course, see the rise of something like Ozempic or the fact that beauty is just this massive multi-billion dollar industry that's just not going away. But I do think that a lot of the, quote, issues that were historically taboo are now being addressed more openly and in a way that makes room for more voices, as you said. So the idea, for example, that traditional sunscreen doesn't blend into all skin tones. It seems sort of appalling that it's 2023 and we're just starting to have this conversation, but brands are actually 
developing formulas that do. Or the fact that not all people using beauty products even identify as women. These are things that the beauty industry is finally starting to take note of. I'm thinking specifically of one of the biggest trends we're seeing for the new year in the beauty space, which is this newfound focus on menopause and the beauty needs of women in their 40s, 50s, and beyond. It would be hard not to credit a lot of this to the celebrities behind it. I'm sure everybody here is thinking of Gwyneth Paltrow right now. She's been very vocal about her own menopause, hosted a menopause summit in California. We also have Naomi Watts, who has been a big prosthetizer for the subject. She launched a line of products called Stripes, which is all products devoted to issues that come up at this time of life. So specific creams targeting dryness, vaginal gels, that kind of thing. But there's also just been a spate of companies in general in the beauty space and beyond targeting this demographic in a very overt way. They're not hiding it. There's a hair care line called Better Not Younger that addresses issues like brassiness and thinning hair that tend to happen in aging hair or There's this fabulous glasses company called Caddis that is, I'm sure you've seen them. They're really, really cool glasses that are reading glasses. The models actually look old enough to be wearing reading glasses, and they are very clearly for Gen X boomer demographic. I love to see all of this. I had my own saga with hot flashes as I was going through menopause. And at the time, there was not a ton of conversation about it. And it's so nice to see people being open and willing to discuss it as we are so many other things these days. So this is one of the trends that I really, really applaud. Before I let you go, Jillian, what else are you looking forward to covering in 2024? What's coming up next that we should keep our eyes out for at PureWow? Well, the fun thing is you never know what's going to pop up, especially with the the quickness of the internet and social media. A trend can start on a Saturday and by Tuesday it's huge. So I'm excited for everything that's going to blow up, seeing these trends, deciding if they're worth adhering to or if we're just going to like let them pass us by. One trend that our travel editor just shared with me that I think is so cool that I keep talking about is this trend of astrotourism, which she swears is going to be huge this year. So astrotourism is traveling for the sole purpose of seeing unobstructed, unpolluted skies. So we're seeing all these hotels now that are offering stargazing packages or experiences, and both domestic and international, places like Colorado or New Zealand, where they're on lands that are officially recognized international dark sky reserves, which I didn't know was a thing, but is apparently a designation you can apply for. And we're also seeing tourism boards campaign for new legislation that prohibits certain light pollution, that kind of thing, in order to bring in more tourists for this express purpose. So I just love this as this cool intersection of environmentalism and just kind of this return to the experiential that we've seen post-COVID. This is fantastic. When you said the word, I really thought I was going to have to get in a rocket. I'm so glad that I don't. But I'm going to, I'm absolutely going to check this out. I have a friend we've been talking about trying to get to Alaska later in the summer. And I bet there is some amazing astrotourism there. So I'll look forward to that. Jillian, thank you so much for all of this, for being with us, for talking about what we can expect in, in 2024. Happy early new year to you. 
Thank you so much. It's been so fun. Happy to come to chat trends anytime. Thank you. And we'll be back with Julia and your mailbag. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back for Mailbag with my daughter, Julia Chatsky. So when we're looking ahead at trends for 2024, what trends have you been noticing lately? Jillian was talking about Strawberry Girl and things I've never heard of. I feel like Tinned Fish was really on the up and up this year. It'll be interesting to see how the seafood market sort of further develops. I think like sustainability in seafood will be interesting. We've been talking about that quite a bit at work. I also think scents are going to have a moment. We're seeing brands do different things with scents. Some vodka brand just came out with like an espresso martini perfume sort of thing. Like I just think scents, a lot of hotels are coming out with more and more of their scents and a scent experience. So those are my sort of trends that I'm talking about at work. Oh, and those are ones Jillian didn't even get into. I like some good tinned fish. Me too. It's a lot fancier than bumblebee in a can. Should we get into our questions? Let's do it. Our first question comes to us from Noreen. She writes, Hi, Jean. I'm reaching out because I saw your newsletter on the biggest personal finance issue. We're ready to tackle, so here it goes. Recently, I had a company with which I have a long-term care policy automatically withdraw $6,000 annual premium from my bank account, almost zeroing out. I have two long-term care policies. The other premium is taken from the benefits of the insurance policy I have with the company. Together, I have long-term care policies with a total annual premium of approximately $11,000. I'm 81 years old and I'm in very good health. What is a reasonable premium for me to pay for long-term care insurance? Thank you. Oh, boy, Noreen, this is a big ball of wax. And in part, it's a big ball of wax because there's a lot going on here, Noreen, both with you and with the long-term care market. So I'm going to answer your questions as best I can with the information that you gave me. The first thing that made my eyebrows go up is that you said the long-term care policy automatically withdrew the premium from your bank account, almost zeroing it out. Now, they only have the ability to do that if at some point you gave them permission to do that. If this is something that you no longer want them to do, I want you to get on the phone to that long-term care company 
and I want you to tell them that instead you want to receive a bill and then you will pay that bill, but you no longer want them automatically debiting your account. You can also reach out to your bank and you can ask your bank how you prevent that automatic debiting from happening because, again, you don't want the large premium on this policy to put you in a position where you overdraw. When you say you've got a total annual premium of $11,000, my question is, what are you getting for that amount? What kind of long-term care insurance is this? Is this a pure long-term care policy? Is it a policy with a return of premium rider of any sort? Is it a hybrid life insurance long-term care policy? And what are you getting for the money that you're paying? What's happened recently in the long-term care market is that, especially in pure play long-term care policies, there have been a lot of premium increases. And If you are feeling that you are not going to be able to continue to pay these premiums and your coverage will at some point lapse, you should be talking to the insurance policy about if there are changes that you can make in the amount of coverage that you're receiving that will bring the cost down. I don't want you to do this alone. I want to make sure that you get some real expert advice because as you get older and the likelihood of needing care grows, having a a good long-term care policy is something that may be really, really vital to you. So what I'd like to do is look into this one a little bit further for you. I'm going to ask my producer, Haley, to reach back out to you and to set up a phone call. I'd like to look at what you've got, and I'd like to put you in touch with a long-term care expert who can help us figure out if what you're paying is worth what you're getting, and then we can take it from there and we can report back to everyone. But this is not one of those questions that I feel comfortable answering right off the cuff. We love an honest lady. Jules, this is people's money. It's her money. It's her livelihood. It's her care. And sometimes you just need a little bit more information. So let's put a pin in that one and take another question. All right. Our next question comes to us from Alana. She writes, Aloha, Jean. I watched you in my early 20s when I used to watch the Today Show. Nowadays, I hardly watch anything except for a comedy sitcom here and there. I'm so glad you have a podcast now and I can simply listen to your advice, but I need to get actions going on my next steps to be financially comfortable. I'm turning 40 next month, been a homemaker for 10 years and homeschooling my four children at home, ages nine and under. I don't have any concrete plans for working out of my home, but I do want to start work from home in the next few years when my youngest is a bit older. Currently, I have a little over 18000 in a Roth IRA retirement 2050 fund. It's gone down about two k since I last checked a few months ago. How can I build this so that I'm taken care of in my retirement years? Where do I start and continue? Shall I look into investing in other funds? Can I open a CD with a retirement account? Isn't there a spousal contribution approach since my husband is the one working? 
I heard about iSeries bonds. I need guidance. I'd greatly appreciate your help. Much mahalos, Alana. Thanks for the nice words, Alana. And thank you so much for listening. Look, I think that you are on the right track. I wouldn't worry too much about the fact that the amount of money that you've got in this 2050 fund, which is a target date fund or a a life cycle fund that is invested along with your age and your risk tolerance, I wouldn't worry so much about the fact that it's gone down a little bit since you last looked at it. Markets go up and markets go down. And it's time in the market that matters, not timing the market that matters. So I don't want you to pull that money out just because it's down and try to invest it somewhere better. This is very likely a good place for it to be. What you need to be doing is adding to it on a regular basis. And the way to do that is by dipping into that spousal contribution approach that you talked about. Every person who has a working spouse has the ability to make a contribution in their own name to an IRA or a Roth IRA. And we call this a spousal IRA. You are eligible to contribute the same amount of money to a spousal IRA that somebody in the workplace could contribute to a regular or a Roth IRA. And that amount is $6,500 a year. So divide that $6,500 by 12. That equals $542 a month. And put yourself on a plan where every single month you are contributing $542 to that plan. Now, is that enough for retirement? Is making a $6,500 contribution going to be enough to carry you along forever, it really depends on your other assets. It depends on what your husband's got, your spouse has at work. It depends on if there's a pension in the family. It depends on how much you are able to pay down when it comes to your home. But it's a really, really good place to start. And then when you start working from home, I want you to look into ways to make a bigger contribution. If you are working for a company that offers a retirement plan, you're going to want to grab all the matching dollars. You're going to want to make a bigger contribution. You're going to want to get yourself on a plan so that when you and your husband finally do decide that you're ready to retire, you have set aside about 10 times your current income for retirement. When combined with Social Security, that amount of money generally is enough to spill off about 80% of your pre-retirement income. And most people find that that is definitely enough. So those are the two things that I would focus on. Thank you for writing to us from Hawaii. And thank you for listening to the show. And thank you, Julia. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Been a fun year. It has. And if you have any other money-related questions, Julia and I would love to hear from you. You can send them our way by emailing mailbag at hermoney.com. And now we're going to take a quick break. Hey, you guys, it's Jean. I want to tell you about another podcast I think you'll love because I love it, Freakonomics Radio. 
Every week, host and best-selling author Stephen Dubner dives into the hidden side of business and economics and so much more. He interviews CEOs, historians, even Nobel laureates to explore all kinds of topics like whether AI has a sense of humor and whether two CEOs are better than one. If you are curious like me and just looking to better understand the world around you, you will find it on Freakonomics Radio. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. We are back with your money tip of the week. If you are finding it more expensive than ever to travel with your kids these days during their school breaks, it is not surprising. Given high travel costs and inflation strain on household budgets, it can be tempting to pull your little one from the classroom to take advantage of off-peak deals. While educators say skipping school to travel could put kids at a disadvantage, some parents say there are major upsides, not only with off-peak pricing being better, but with the type of learning their children are doing. Many parents find that giving their children the chance to experience other cultures and see the world is just as important as what they would learn in school. When deciding whether or not you should pull your kids out of school to travel, the first thing you want to consider is their age. It's a lot easier with younger children who have fewer academic extracurricular and social demands. And make sure you're giving the school ample notice and time to prepare things ahead of time for the days your child is gone. For more timely money tips like this one, subscribe to the Her Money newsletter at hermoney.com slash subscribe. Thanks for joining me today on Her Money, and thank you so much to Jillian Quint of Pure Wow for chatting about the trends she's most excited to see in 2024. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our show at Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. We love hearing what you think. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Edelman Financial Engines. Her Money is produced by Haley Pascalides. This show is mixed and mastered by CDM Sound Studios. Our music is provided by Video Helper, and our show comes to you through Megaphone. Check out our new podcast, How She Does It, with Karen Feinerman for intimate cocktail party-style conversations with today's most talented female leaders. This podcast is also part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. You can find us and other shows like us at airwavemedia.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk soon. 